bottom of those, maybe. Hi, everyone. This is Tanya Ahern with NCAR. I'm the advocacy coordinator. I'm here today with um, Heather Ogden, our trainer, and with Aaron Kucharski, our past leader and advocacy um, coordinator. So we wanted to, this is our very first uh, podcast, and we thought it was fitting to bring Aaron in because he was our leader. And he actually is the reason that Heather and I are, are here um, doing the work that we do. So we thought we'd like to talk to him about how things started in New Jersey, where he is now, how things have progressed in New Jersey. So um, thank you, Aaron, for being there with us. Thanks for having me. So I think, like we said, I think that we should start off with how did it start? How did you get here? How did, you're not from New Jersey, so how did you get here? And right. how did we start this program? I was living in um, Rhode Island. No. Yeah, yeah. No, I was living in Rhode Island, <laughs> going back in different phases of my life. Um, I was li living in Rhode Island. I never lived out of the state before. Um, and I had done some advocacy work, recovery advocacy work for a couple of national organizations. And um, I've always done community organizing and canvassing, you know, knocking on doors for different causes from the environment to uh, labor rights. Um, and then I it was very early in 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 um my recovery advocacy work and um i saw this job description that was written by the former um public policy director at, at ncar um and in the job description it was a job description for a field organizer i think that was the title of it and um it said train a generation of advocacy leaders those words were in it and so that's that's exactly what got me to new jersey um and i had always been more fascinated with the idea of thinking and acting locally as opposed to like the national like large anti-stigma campaigns or anything like that that sometimes comes down to the community level and sometimes and oftentimes doesn't. And so um, the, 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 the idea of training a generation of, of advocacy leaders was really um, attractive to me at, at, at the time. That's exactly why I got there, how I got there. Okay. All right. So um, what's interesting is what year was that? Do you remember? 2010. So yeah, I started January, 2010. I think Heather and I were probably in one of the early classes um, that you did. And um, we were actually, we didn't know each other at the time. I'm a family member, um, was affected by substance use and um, Heather's in recovery herself. So it's interesting, you know, we, we started off in a class together and Heather can tell her story a little bit about being in the class, but it was both, um, well, for me, especially, I had no idea what advocacy was about. And so it was a very enlightening class for me. But what's more interesting even is that most of the people that were in that class are now my close friends. And mm -hmm. we've become, you know, we did a lot of work together and we're still very close. And Heather, of course, is one of my closest friends. So um, it's interesting how it all evolved and how we had these common interests that really um, bonded us. But um, Heather, do you want to talk a little bit? So I remember very well the night that I met Aaron. Uh, my first job in the field was I was helping to um, 
plan and launch what at the time was the second state funded re uh, peer led recovery center in New Jersey. So this was back in, you know, there was one, it was Eva's and everybody knew it, but mm -hmm. that was the model. And we were like, Hey, this is a great model. Hey state, you should do more of them. So um, they started with a second one in Camden County and um we uh connected with Aaron, I'm assuming through that Eva's village uh piece because Mike Santillo was actually really great with like sharing information and stuff. So he was like, Hey, you should have Aaron come down and, and do some trainings. And we were like, mm. Great. So um, so he came down and he did uh he did and our stories have power training, which uh I think most of us that have been around for a while, we've all taken it or or trained it <laughs> at this point. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's really interesting because now it seems like a very dated training, but at the time yeah. it was like revolutionary and groundbreaking and it completely flipped the way that I thought about my own recovery and, and therefore everybody else's recovery. Um, it was a complete reframe moving from the, the focus on the acute illness model to uh you know an ongoing recovery based model and that was something that was just not really talked about 12 years ago um so it was really super cool and you know of course Aaron is a great trainer and um so it was fun and it was engaging and we were all like well this is great and I went up to him afterwards and I was like oh my god that was that was just amazing like I never thought about it that way before and like how do I get your job like mm. what a cool job this is um and then of course like many years later um when Aaron decided it was time to take his next big leap um I did get his job so the answer is uh be patient and follow Aaron around <laughs> what's, what's, funny, what's funny about that too is the um i remember talking to another uh organizer in this field um years ago um, and we always talked about organizing ourselves out of the job meaning that <laughs> when we leave something that we started like a, like the, the advocacy program that was started in new jersey it's like you know is it something that is built to sustain itself and are you leaving it in hands that are uh, capable to continue to empower people and, and encourage people to, to, to put their voice out there and advocate. And, and um, I was in New Jersey for about seven years running the advocacy program when I realized, you know, um, like that, that chapter of my life was like, done and 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 it took me a year an, an additional year to actually leave new jersey and figure out where i was going next i live in myrtle beach south carolina now um but that year you know i, I know that they went through the whole like um interview process with people but i was like pretty certain that um you know you would be um taking the reins to that and and i felt really good um moving on from the advocacy leadership program because I, and you're right that um, the first thing that I wanted to do when I came to New Jersey was create a culture where it was okay for people to start to, to not feel like they have to um, hide around uh, an illness that is 
built with shame and, and stigma and discriminatory policies um, with substance use disorder and um, even uh, mental uh, mental illness, obviously, the this, this same sort of stigma exists there. And so by, um, by traveling across the state and just like that's all I did the first year or so was just learn people's stories. And so I talked to family members, I talked to other people in recovery that had had days or years and talked to them about their experiences and common barriers and what was happening um, in and around their community. And um, in doing that, you know, the remainder, the remaining time that I was there, like somebody could call and be like, hey, do you know somebody in Monmouth County that uh, faced discrimination uh, when going to apply for housing? And I'd be like, yes. Because you like we you know we we had those conversations with people and so this is always this movement is always about the people that are that that make it up and and so I think I look at advocacy work and and growing a movement a lot like you're when you're like building a puzzle right you when you when you build a puzzle everybody starts with those like corner pieces and that's that's the easiest part right. Um, and so you find like the key leaders, you find the key organizers that really understand how important it is. Um, and then the other exciting part of it is like, there's that whole middle piece that like you haven't found yet and you haven't really solved it. And, and through the years in the, in the, uh, the advocacy program, we're able to find those leaders and kind of plug them into the, the county teams. Um, uh, and it was, and that's what made that program that and continues today um such a strong program is is the people that you that you come into contact with like 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 tanya i don't know if i met tanya right off the bat but pretty close um uh, early uh, yeah yeah um and we were we were just um i think the advocacy leadership program i believe started with just 30 people like 30 volunteers that were like yeah i want to be an advocacy leader um, and each year it was like another 30, another 40. And um, they're like, at some point in that process, it's like, we realized it's like, we had advocacy leaders all over the state. It's like every single County. And so um, that structure, that model of County teams that meet somewhat regularly, whether it's one month or every two weeks, um, really you got to see, the differences of what people are working on countywide, like you could one county could be working something totally different than the, the county next to it. Um, but then there were also those issues that you're like, well, everybody on these teams seem to agree on this issue or this issue or this issue. And so um, one of the things that I think that the NCAR has done an excellent job with over the years um, is identify the, the pieces of legislation that do kind of unite the advocates together, right? Um, and and so we're able to see a lot of legislative and community victories um, throughout that time and 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 moving forward beyond after I left in um, in South Carolina to, to South Carolina. One of the things that Tanya and I talk about a lot is how and and COVID had a large role to play in this, but like mm -hmm. how things have had to shift due to time and COVID and. Uh, one thing, I, as I'm sitting here and I'm listening, like the importance of of listening to our advocates and the power of their stories, that is what everything is based on. 
But Tanya and I have talked a number of times about how interesting it is, is that when we came on, everything was so strictly grassroots and, and, you know, people in recovery and family members and everything that we were initially kind of fighting for and learning about, though, of course, like nothing is ever a hundred percent, but like we have achieved so many of the goals that we set out to achieve as advocates. Like we went from one additional, you know, peer-led recovery center to at least funding you know, in every single county in New Jersey and, Mm -hmm. and knowing at the rate that things happen in government and funding, like a 10 year stretch, that's pretty impressive. Mm -hmm. Uh, We fought to get peers into everywhere. You know, we wanted them. We said, wouldn't it be great if there were peers in emergency rooms? We have them now. Wouldn't it be great if there were peers working with law enforcement? We have them now. So, um, but the, the demographics of our, advocates has radically expanded so it you know used to be a few uh, like we have there's always going to be the group of like very very involved ones because they get it and they're passionate and they have the ability to you know navigate the different systems but for the most part now we have people that are are going into recovery that have never been in a what was considered like a traditional recovery setting which is awesome so we have like a totally new perspective on on all these different ways that people can recover we have people that identify as allies that don't claim personal experience um that are very very passionate about making change from a social justice angle um, we are actually at a point where we're talking about, incre- uh, you know, decriminalizing things and, and it's, mm-hmm. and people get that and why it's a good thing. Um, so I think, uh, you know, for us at NCAR that, that shift during COVID and, and the fact that, you know, I was still relatively new compared to the amount of years that you had been there, it gave us an opportunity to kind of like, look at how we were doing things and deciding how we wanted to move our advocacy teams up to the next level to make sure that we were staying current with the times and that we were still helping people to represent their own best interests. Cause that's really what we do. We teach people how to advocate for themselves. We don't tell them what to advocate for. And it's also become interesting too, because we've got these different, the, teams are changing right so so we're talking about a team um you know a team of treatment providers you know where people that are involved in treatment who want to get involved in advocacy have never had that opportunity um the re-entry programs we're in january we're going to do a training with re-entry programs and um start getting advocates involved in re you know that are involved in re-entry to get their stories out because that's a whole different side. And that that also helps us with the decrim. It helps us with legislation. There's a, a like there's all these different types of teams that we never thought about before. And a lot of that comes from this peer workforce. Because when we when everyone started getting involved and becoming a peer, peer specialist and getting trained, all of a sudden things changed a little bit and their stories changed and they saw things a little bit differently in a broader scale. And um, it's it's kind of exciting to think about some of the things that we can do together in these different groups. Mm-hmm. Um, the recovery centers have been amazing to work with all of them because 
we have the leaders in the recovery centers that are, you know, whoever's running that recovery center, but then they have all the peers working in that recovery center and they have all the people that they're helping. So now we just keep expanding and offering the opportunities for people to learn to tell their stories. So it's, it's evolved, but it's really good. Well, I like that it's evolved and it continues to attract more um, advocates. And you make a very good point about how like the teams don't necessarily have to be geographic uh, or of like within a county or the, and, 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 you know, you could take an issue um, like you, you all are building a campaign uh, right now, the advocate to allocate campaign uh, around the opioid settlement funding. And so one of the things that trying to bring uh, to other states is that idea of uh, of building a campaign around an issue and just sticking with that. Because if a lot of times people get in the same room and there's like a thousand different things that are wrong with the system and everybody wants to just, you know, go. so there's some, it's good to like empower people and give people all of the the organizing skills. But if you're just like, okay, here's a hundred trains, trained leaders and you're all just like go wild. And then, then our legislators don't know what we're talking about. Or like there's two, there's, we just sound like we, we want and need all these different things where it's like, but if you build a campaign around a specific issue, uh, like the way that you're doing with the advocate for to allocate campaign and the way that we did with the, the parody uh, coalition years ago. Um, and the, the idea of um, Heather had mentioned this, like in in 2010, there was two recovery advocacy, two two recovery community centers in, in the whole state. And that just wasn't enough. And so we just started saying out loud, hey, there should be a recovery community center in every county. And like we didn't, I don't think we knew we were we were building a campaign. We were just going out and, and saying that over and over. Um, but what that did was like people that heard that, whether it was a legislator or other people in recovery. Um, they heard, hey, there should be a recovery community center in every county. But yeah, there should be a recovery community center in every county. So, so it shouldn't matter what neighborhood you live in or it shouldn't matter if you're coming back from treatment, flying into the state to whatever county you're in, there should be a recovery community center there um, to so people can access that that peer recovery support. Everybody should have that that um, that access to, to peers um, and, and community support. Um, because as Heather had mentioned, I, you know, and, and it's still like this, a, a lot of parts of the country um, where it's uh, substance use disorder is just treated as an acute, you know, it's, it's just like, okay, you go in your treatment and you're clinical for 15 days or 30 days or whatever. And then you're just going to put you back in your community without any sort of support. And so building, advocating for that infrastructure in a state for those recovery community centers and peers being available um, no matter where you live, that took quite a while, you know, to, and, and it did, and, and, and the, the whole having a recovery community center in every, in, in every um, county uh, that got accomplished, I think two years after I even left the state. Right. And so it was like, and so like that sort of consistent messaging and being able to um, uh, make people comfortable and in, 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 in sharing their story and advocating to the people that are making decisions or actually being in the room, helping to make the decisions 
Um, it's really an amazing thing. So one thing that I'm trying to duplicate outside of New Jersey is that idea of building a campaign. So oh, I think uh, Aaron, um, had men Aaron had mentioned he's building things outside of New Jersey now. So when he decided to move on, um, you know, we went over that I was trying to take over the, you know, amazing work that he had done here in New Jersey and help evolve it into its its next round. But now Aaron has taken everything that uh, he implemented in New Jersey. And about a year after I took his position, I went to, I was at dinner with Ryan Hampton and he was like, so do you know what Aaron's doing? I'm like, uh, he's had about a year to relax. So you should call him. <laughs> so Aaron, you want to uh, tell us your uh, current projects and why you are now uh taking the lessons learned in new jersey <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'll and i'll, I'll be brief because i know we're kind of at time but mm -hmm. I, so I, I do some work with uh recovery advocacy project with which is a uh an, it sounds weird but it's a it's a national effort to get people to think and act locally with <laughs> you know and, and so it was the idea of you know taking that model that worked in new jersey i know uh, nevada was like the second state to kind of adopt that sort of mentality and they're like thriving now and so it's it's it's, it's working to uh duplicate that sort of mentality across the country um so that people understand that because you, you, when you think about why people get involved in advocacy it's because stuff that's close to their home close to home in some way in their in their community um and so to let people know it's like that's okay it's like just stay on the community level or the statewide level uh, and you can actually get a lot done um and so recovery advocacy project has been this effort to um to provide community organizing skills to recovery advocates um and it's recoveryvoices.org um and so we have a ton of tools there um we have a voter hub um, we have a uh, advocacy guides. Um, we have model legislation page. And so you can go there and, and, and look at it by issue, like expanding Narcan in schools. And, and, and it'll give you a state law that passed somewhere in the country um, around that issue. And there's a number of uh, New Jersey examples like in that when I was uh, building the model legislation page, there was a, a whole lot of New Jersey in there. And so um, that just goes to show uh, the, the you know the work that the advocates have done over the years. This is just uh, pretty spectacular. So, yeah, I know we're uh, kind of at the time here. So, yeah, we're let, let Tanya kind of wrap it up. Yeah, uh, but this just, has been great. I, it's it's been really fun having you as our first guest. I think it was perfect that we're that we're all like the three advocates uh, or three the two of us that learned from you um, are together with you. So. Um, and I really, we were working with you with the Recovery Advocacy Project. And so that's, it's kind of fun that we get to continue working with you. Mm -hmm. So even though you did leave us and went to South Carolina to write your books and everything, we're, we're still, uh, we're still able to work with you. And that's really great. Um, I see great things happening, you know, for you and, and New Jersey. So thank you so much for being with us. We um, really loved having you. Thank you all. It's good to see you.